through the my recorder won't work i'll be right back jim said he wanted us to show you how to do a real show i did not say any (laughs) such thing (laughs) this week on spellburn we invited a bonafide dungeon crawl classics neophyte to the show to share his reviews rants and reservations about our favorite system you know we love this game we're doing a podcast about it what about everybody's favorite grumpy grognard from two of our sister podcasts, Save or Die and Thaco's Hammer? With me tonight are my two dungeon-crawling co-hosts, Judge Job. Hey, everybody. Judge Jeffrey. Hey, everyone. And by special arrangement with Wild Games Productions and Mrs. Halstrom, we've got glamorous Glenn Halstrom. Yeah, DM Glenn. You know, you're sounding a lot like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> only, only faster. <laughs> Sorry for Hi that. everybody. Hi everybody. Sorry if I got a little too WWF there on you. No, that's all right. That's all right. Everybody needs a little WWF in their show. Well, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, you want to tell our listeners who don't listen to those other two podcasts a little about yourself? Why they're not listening to my podcast? Anyway, uh, no, I was just well, like gaming background. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I've been only doing it since '81. That's all, off and on. Um, I started with AD&D first edition and I sort of had to work backwards to uh, basic and all this. And I spent 12, I spent a 12 year hiatus playing champions. So, and little uh, Warhammer fantasy role play. But um, I came back to it when I started doing the podcast and it's like, Hey, I'm coming home. I mean, I went up, I went up to 3.5 and hit a wall when four came out. And I went back. I hit a wall and went backwards. We're, we're not prejudiced on this podcast. We try not to even sneer any when we say Pathfinder. Oh, boy. You're, you're like Brian. It's like, we do not edition bash on this show. Do you have to say that every show? <laughs> yeah, but that's very that's very commendable. That's That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, everybody join me, and let's take it to the tavern. And the first rule of bartending is this. 
GBTB. Go beyond the book. Go beyond the book. What do you have? Heineken. Tavern talk. So, what did we all do in gaming this week? Who wants to go first? I can go. Oh, joke. (laughs) Perhaps we should roll a D4. I was waiting for the crickets. (laughs) We edit those. We edit those in later. Oh, okay. Job, go for it. <laughs> Not too much. Uh, so this week I'm just getting uh, ready for Gen Con and for Dragonflight 34. That's this weekend. So um, got kind of a double header going on. And then I get a week off and then I'm going to PAX and running some more uh, DCC games there. So I got a pretty busy month. Um, I've also got <clears throat> been working on my uh, Into the Demon Idol uh, module. And uh, basically I've expanded my uh, one-page dungeon entry into uh, like a fanzine booklet type format. So hopefully I'll have it all ready by, uh, <clears throat> by Gen Con. Um, I'll probably going to sell for like six bucks. I've got, because uh, you know, I'm just trying to recoup some of my costs. I got, uh, you know, like full bleed glossy covers and uh, artwork from Stephen Pogue and Bradley McDevitt. And who, who did the cover? Because the expression on those lizard man faces on the cover is hysterical. That's uh, Stephen Pogue. I love his stuff. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's probably going to do the next cover for me. And uh, you've seen his art all over the DCC RPG book. So. Ooh, you got, you got one-page dungeons? Me like one-page dungeons. Yeah, uh, I had one of the uh, finalists. Uh, I got uh, bet or not finalists. Uh, I guess winners. I don't know. I got the best uh, homage this year. Right on. Right on. Do you want to give Glenn the uh, premise of the Fallen Idol? Oh, oh sure. that one. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, you... I, I got it. I printed it. It's in my DM book. Oh, nice. All right. I've got a fan. Very, very well done, sir. Very well done. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm actually expanded it out. Um, I made a, like a system-neutral mini-module out of it. It's going to be uh-huh. about... 12 to 14 pages. Um, and what I did is uh, actually Jeffrey helped me out a little bit. I made uh, stat blocks for Dungeon Crawl Classics, Labyrinth Lord, and Swords and Wizardry. Uh-huh. And um, it's it's going to be kind of like a bookmark. So then you just pull that out and whatever system you're running, you just get the stats off the off the bookmark. Nice. Sounds nice. kind of ambitious, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's those little things that just make the product. Well, some people yeah. have minds like computers and can just change systems like that. I, my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah, me either. I need little little helpers. But uh, yeah, as uh, as long as my stuff shows up from the printers on time, which now it's scheduled for Tuesday and I leave Wednesday, uh, then uh, it, it should work out. <laughs> oh, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, you know my pain, Jim. Uh, how about you, Jeffrey? Uh, let's see. I've mainly continued with the online DCC RPG group. Uh, they had at some point in a previous adventure stolen a magic weapon out of a temple. They left some of the priestesses alive. They were not happy with that and had placed bounties on their heads. So that's been haunting them for several sessions now. They've pretty much gotten to the point where they're afraid to move through the city openly. So they've decided to the fastest way to take care of that problem is to get rid of the people that placed the bounty on them. So they've... Uh, worked on breaking back into the temple to uh, uh, eliminate that threat. So let's see, earlier this week when we played, they succeeded in getting back into the temple. 
Um, there was one sort of cool moment. Uh, one of the halflings in the party uh, tried to sneak up, attacked. He got uh, knocked unconscious, knocked to zero. And the cleric that came up uh, came up, and I allowed him to spell burn to try to uh, make sure he got his heal off. And he rolled and came into his disapproval range and then asked if he could spend the luck to uh, get out of the disapproval. And I was like, you can do that, but you're going to roll twice on the spell burn table. And he went for it. And uh, one was just slicing his cheeks to draw some blood. And the other was he was supposed to brand himself with, you know, like the holy symbol or something like that. And he branded the halfling that was unconscious instead of himself. But it was a pretty fun <laughs> and it, but it went over pretty well. The halfling was a little miffed about it, but uh uh Somebody it, saw Inglorious Bastards, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, something like that. So it was a pretty fun session. I think the group's having a good time. Next week will probably bring us to the culmination of uh seeing how that turns out if they can eliminate these people that put the bounty on their head. So it was it was fun. It was a good time. Very nice. Um are your players Listening to the podcast? Yes, uh, most of them listen to it. In fact, I think all of them do. Oh, hey, so. players. Hey, 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 put put that tone in there, Jim, you put in there to make the players forget what he said. Oh, this is not the <laughs> podcast you're looking for. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. So, Glenn, I know at least one thing you did in gaming this past week. Well, Oh, well, true, true. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> but, uh, hey, no, you go, go ahead, Jim. No. Oh, well, we both play in the same online uh, basic D&D game. That's right. We play in the bo- the basic on uh, that uh, Shannon does. You guys are kind of like Mike and Liz. Oh, God, I don't want to know who's Liz. <laughs> I really don't. By the way, by the, I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, Mike, Liz, happy 20th anniversary. Oh, yeah, those guys. Yeah, Congrats. today. today. Uh, let's see what I do. Um I am reaping the rewards of doing all the artwork in my uh, DM, Matt, my DM, also known as Odinist on Dragon's Foot. Um, he put out a module for for one of the dungeons he ran us through, the Mines of Valdhum, and I did all the artwork for it. So, And he's selling that on Drive-Thru RPG and RPG Now, plug, plug. Um, and he's sold a whole 12 copies. Wow. You know, you too can make tens of dollars in the lucrative field of game design. If you get into this business to make to get rich, you're in the wrong business. But uh, he'll he'll have sold 13 copies within about 10 minutes of us going off the air. How's that? Oh, cool! It is a good good dungeon. We ran through it. And we like <laughs> this guy. This guy to me, he writes insane traps. Uh, not insane, but in, like insane good traps. And there's this one trap we passed because we just did this one thing. And there was this whole thing about you put the water in here, this triggers that. You put the, don't put the water in this, this, this. And we just like cut through it. And it's like, well, then I went back to the module and read the trap. I'm going, oh my God. We were so close to death, I didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the clever traps. That's always something that's just a little different, a little bit of thinking to it. Those are always fun. That's our basic. That's our basic uh, RC game that I play every other Saturday. Coming up, we've killed the dragon. Or we've killed the big bad, the big red dragon already. Um, that's the dragon who torched Thunder Rift. Oh boy! And uh, so now we got to confront the uh, the big bad behind him, and then finally the campaign's over, and we're going to start up a new one using Labyrinth Floor this time, which is fine by me because you know it's all basic to me. Um, he's also thinking of putting out Minds of Haldhum in a Labyrinth Lord, converting it to Labyrinth Lord, and I don't see why he needs to. 
because all the stats are the same, but you know, <laughs> that's his choice. Uh, let's see what else I have not been able to play anything with my grandson. Uh, you guys have forcibly drugged me away from tunnels and trolls to look at this. So, um, that's about me. That's me right there. Oh, dude. Well, I'll be, I'll be uh, getting that. And if the traps and the module are good, that'll just be gravy. Cause I'll be getting it for the art. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, also, um, what was I going to say? Um, I have no idea. You were going to throw it back to me and go, what'd you do in gaming, Jim? Who? <laughs> oh, uh, what the hell did you do in gaming, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot which podcast we were on there for a second. Um, Oh man! The reason I have these "What do you do in gaming?" things in the, I started a tradition of this is because whatever I did the last week gaming, it takes me three podcasts to remember everything. Well, so one gets a little, the other one gets a little more, the other one gets a little more. Well, and it's like that cartoon that was going around Facebook when you know people in your life are bored to tears of your character story, so you just start a pod- podcast and people have to listen. That's true. Oh, one more thing I did. Uh, if you go on, was it frugaldm.com? frugalgm.com which is a blog the frugal gm and he came up with this neat way of making D type tokens with washers and uh i'm using old magic cards if you don't want to do miniatures um and you you i got a, a round punch you glue them out i went to this i went to vintage stock and they had this big tub it said 10 cents a piece seven five ninety five for a hundred seven ninety five for two hundred so I spent like the, an hour and a half going through cards looking for stuff to make tokens. Is that, I, where, is that where you use like the fender washers to, uh, yes. to put glue them on? You know, I did that for my Kingmaker game, and that was pretty awesome. It, it worked was. out really well. It was. It was. And it's like magic cards. Duh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I didn't think of that idea. I was unfortunately looking around the internet and using the token generator from the map tool folks to create yeah, them. The magic the hard, cards would be awesome. To me, the hardest thing was the washers. I didn't th- know washers were that expensive. You know, I, f- I found the same thing. I'm like, what? Only 25 of these for this? I would have expected, you know. You know I went to home, to home Depot. It's like $1.18 for eight. Huh? It, yeah. Yeah. But it worked out well. Easy to transport, too. That was nice. I finally went to Ace Hardware and I got for like nine bucks i got a box of a hundred so we'll see how far that goes but yeah that's it that's a cool thing um frugalgm.com folks jim what have you been doing in case you just joined us here on tool time this evening um <laughs> uh the uh angry monks basic D game i'm just having a big time in because we're finally getting in the groove where we're scouring through the dungeon with a little first level characters um so that was fun although we've got a new party rule now when the cleric goes down remember he's the guy with the healing potions in his backpack Just see i don't have to worry i don't have to worry about that in my rc game because we have like two clerics and a druid so <laughs> but uh anyway. the uh it was off week for our dcc campaign so uh DM Todd out at Gateway Games ran us through our third session of Expedition of the Barrier Peaks this past Saturday, and he's not taking it easy on us, but we've got a gang together, we're all playing with high-level characters, and we're playing smart, and we're now down to the fourth level, getting ready to go into the fifth, pulling a train, a gravy train of two grass sleds, on which is a repair robot and crates of frag grenades, and I'm in my happiest of all fantasy RPG spots, I've got a high-level magic user with a laser rifle. Oh boy, no stopping him now. We got the, uh, there was a, uh, Remember me telling you about our high-level fighter 
played by Caleb, the, who allowed me to polymorph him into a rust monster. Well, he decided oh, yeah. he didn't want to be a rust monster anymore, so I got him switched back, and then we stuck him in power armor, and he's still just bulldozing right through every door. Should have left him as a rust monster and put the power armor on him. <laughs> <laughs> a rust monster with power armor. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's only 16, but he's pretty old school. He just, you know, if he can't stick his sword in it or uh, punch it, he's not too interested in it. Really? So we were kind of keeping him away from all the good stuff, but the power armor was just for him. He he could, like, walk up to stuff and detonate a poison grenade, and he's not breathing the air. What does he care? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, you had, so you had a load load of a fun time. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Our, our uh, Todd's not taking it easy on us, but we have yet to suffer a casualty, so I'm waiting for it. I'm, I'm a little concerned that the younger players who haven't been through the module before are getting cocky now because there's you know doom and destruction waiting on us in the lower decks. I know there is. Uh, by the by the way, Todd, thanks for the book and the stuff, the extra stuff. You know, he 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 hooked me up with the DCC and the funny dice. Along with a few other goodies, like I got my DCC pen here, and I got my CCC button. You got a bookmark? I got a bookmark. There you go. It's coming in handy, making dungeons for tunnels and trolls. Oh, yeah, he, he, <laughs> he hit me up, and apparently there are new buttons now with a, a turquoise background that matches the robot. There's oh, new bookmarks, oh. too, with the uh, new Easley spine on them, I think, too, isn't there? I didn't get one of those yet, but my uh, Well of the Worms showed up in the mail today. I was very happy about that. I and this I heard, is this like a smaller format or something? Yeah, it's digest size. It's all digest size, and I'm I'm thumbing through it, going, "This would be perfect as a PDF on the iPad." You would. I am I, I am all for digest size books. I mean, I wish it, my whole collection was digest sized. Is it saddle stitch too, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like a regular module, except it's digest wow. size, like the original D and D books. It's so cute. Oh, you know the the softback cool. digest. Uh, I keep telling uh, I keep telling Vince. I said I want a digest size of the RC. Can I make one of those? He says, Yeah, but it'd be like a telephone book. Although it's a Harley Stro adventure, Harley wrote it back for three point five oh, in the old days. But uh, apparently, a guy we love to plug who hasn't been on the show yet, Daniel J. Bishop, did the conversion to DCC RPG. So I was like thumbing through it, looking for the seams, and it's seamless. I can't see where the conversion happened. Right on. That's cool. That's great. Right on. Well, how about we summon some emails? Poof. I'm not making a comment. Just poof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get in there. Help us summon them. Are you a poof? Uh, no. Poof. There they are. You've got mail. Message for you, sir. Summon email. Okay, well, I mean, we continue to get a lot of mail, and thank you, everybody that uh, wrote in. Yeah, definitely, thanks for writing. It's uh, it's nice to see the emails come in. Helps us know people are out there. They're all fun. Yeah, actually, one guy that wrote in is going to see you, Job, uh, later. You, you don't owe him yeah, money. Yeah, I saw that. He's gonna, no, he's going to play in my game at, at uh, Dragonflight, so hopefully, if he can get a spot. Nice. Well, who wants to get the first email? I can do that one. Don't everybody rush. I okay. got it. Uh, dear Spellborn, Spellburn Lords, how would you adjudicate spells such as Restore Vitality, where a result can be applied to strength, agility, stamina, personality, or intelligence? Does the or indicate all the points restored must go to the same stat, or can they be split between any of these five? 
Thanks for a great podcast, Dustin, player of Santh, Vixila, and Gonlix, the hero, bard of Slither's End, and pirate knight of the Grand Charter Company of Mustertown. Holy crap, his title's now, longer than his email. Yeah, and I have to admit, this is one of the players in one of my games. Uh, so, in the situation he's talking about, the Restore Vitality came up last night, actually, where he was casting Restore Vitality. Oh, so you should be recused from answering. Yeah. I should be, and I'm going to. I'll just make sure you guys know the story. He got a seven for the points that were going to be restored, and he wanted to know how well I ruled it, and we'll see how you guys would have ruled it. Because essentially, we had a, a wizard that was down, spell burned, and like three ability scores. So, who spreading it could have worked, or should we have ruled it? Which way should we have ruled? So, let's see what you guys have to say. I know what I would have done, but I'm going to let Job go first. Well, uh, I, I read through the spell, and <clears throat> everything uh, up to a uh, skill check of 30 says um, strength, stamina, agility, intelligence, or personality. Um, I think the intent is only a single ability, because when it hits 32, it they change it, and it says strength, stamina, agility, intelligence, or uh, and personality. Um, plus, I would think, you know, in most cases, you're probably not going to be wanting to uh, cast a spell during combat. Um, I mean, there's an alternative healing component to it for, for uh, almost all the, the steps. So, I don't know. What do you think, Jim? I'm, I'm absolutely with you. It's, it's an either-or situation until the high spell checks when it starts changing that word to uh, and or all of those. Spe- particularly because the right in the spell, it's noted that... Uh, the, there was some abuse of this in the early play tests of the spell where a uh, wizard and a cleric would team up and the wizard would intentionally spell burn himself to the ground and the uh, cleric would pump him right back up and so he could spell burn the next round. Uh, so that's not that's not fair. So, so is Jeffrey, is that the, what they were doing? Were there any repercussions? Well, not that they know of yet. <laughs> uh, they. He, How did you I, handle it in real life? Well, what I did first was because of the repercussions and the alignments weren't quite the same. I had the cleric Sans, uh try to justify why that was going to happen. So Dustin actually does really good role playing and had me smiling and the whole group laughing. So I'm like, you know, you convinced your God that in this case it was worth doing. So I let him sort of do it and I let him go ahead and split it across the ability scores uh, but now that you guys mentioned that the higher spell results mention an and, uh, my players can just note that I'm a Mr. Nice Guy judge, and I'm not as mean as they think I am. <laughs> That's right. They, they owe you a soda. They owe you a Mountain Dew. <laughs> yes, they do. So... But yeah, that's how I handle it. So, but in the future, my players, we will not be letting it get split across from a single spell. Unless you break the 30s. At which, you know, there, there are options that allow you to do that. Yes. So... Okay. Asked and answered. Next email. All right. I guess I'll grab the next one since it's sort of to me, I guess. Um, this one's from Steve Trebbing. And um, I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit just because it's, it's actually pretty long. Um, but he uh, basically says that he was an avid fan of 4E and Pathfinder. Um, but he always wanted to pick up some of the older D&D stuff, but couldn't find anyone to play with. And he just happened to stumble on our podcast Um so he started researching DCC and picked up the rulebook at Uncle's Games in Redmond, Redmond Washington. Um, and he says, I've been itching to get a small group playing, but I haven't felt ready. As luck would have it, I plan on attending Dragonflight in Bellevue this coming weekend. And I just noticed Job's running a DCC level zero game on Saturday morning. Yes, Sailors on the Starless Sea. I will be there with Bills on and super stoked to get to play and learn from one of you guys. Then you luck, I'll get the hang of it with, after the session and be able to run a game shortly after. I will certainly email a status after the con. 
Anyway, just wanted to say thanks for the great podcast. It's been great listening and learning from you guys. Looking forward to many more episodes. Well, thanks for the email, uh, Steve, and I uh, hope we get to put, uh, play together this weekend. Uh, I'll have bright blue hair, so look for me, and, and uh, I'll try to make sure you can get at my table. Um, and definitely, uh, you know, hopefully you, you run a game and, and write us back with your experiences. We'd love to hear about it. And, and take a picture of Job with bright blue hair, and please send it to me. Yeah, my- because he hides that from us, so we want to see that. <laughs> is, is that payback for North Texas where you wore the bunny ears, Jim? Hey, I <laughs> – I, I put that stuff on the website. Oh, I didn't hear about this. Jim's a yeah. Playboy bunny now. Oh, they, that's funny because they were like Playboy bunny years. We got to play bunnies and burrows with uh, Doctor Dennis Suster running the game. And uh, oh, nice. Oh, that's, I know the guy's name and I can't think of it. One of the players showed up with rabbit ears for us all to wear. So me, Liz, Jeff D, a bunch of us were all in bunny ears. Liz Larson. Cool. Cool. I hear. I hear. Next year, somebody's going to run Creeks and Crawdads. They're going to bring Crawdad antenna. Uh, Michael Curtis is starting to do that very thing. Okay. I was so shocked to hear he knew about Creeks and Crawdads because I thought nobody else in this world except me knows about that game. Okay. Well, moving on to our next email is from our good friend DM Kojo, who, by the way, gave uh, us in this uh, podcast a nice shout out on Roll for Initiative this week. So thanks for that, DM Kojo. Ever present. Kojo. And DM Kojo writes, Hi guys, I have purchased all the DCC RPG adventures from 67 on up to 77 that just came out. They all look great. I also recently picked up a copy of DCC number 50, Vault of the Iron Overlord, which was written for D&D 3.5. It looks like a good candidate to convert to play to D- with DCC RPG or older versions of D&D. My question is, of the adventures published by Goodman Games before DCC RPG started, which ones can you recommend, and do you think they would transfer well to DCC RPG? Thanks, DM Kojo. We can certainly answer that. Well, well, for me, I would definitely recommend um, The Mysterious Tower. That's DCC number four, um, and I believe it was written by Joseph Goodman. Yeah, you took my pick, dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, just, I just love the whole premise of basically uh, there's this wizard's tower where uh, this powerful wizard is researching force fields, and he throws up this force field around the tower um, that's you know the perfect force field. Only thing is, uh, there's no way for any air to get in or out, or food, anything else, and everyone ends up dying, trapped forever inside the uh, the tower. And um, you find a way to uh, infiltrate the tower. I won't I won't ruin it for people that um, want to learn, but it's pretty cool. I heard that that are going to play it, but it's pretty cool. I've just started getting exposed to some of those older Dungeon Crawl Classics modules that were written for uh, various versions of D&D. And when I read through those, I can see where all the seeds of what would become DCC RPG were planted and, and started to flower. That's oh, yeah, the definitely. question I was going to ask. I was going to see. I was going to ask, how is it used? Because I see those in the stores, the old uh, D20 Dungeon Crawl Classic stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering how hard or easy it is to convert to the DCC version, the DCC system. I think the conversion is pretty easy. I've done it on the fly before for, uh, I did Sinister Secret of White Rock as a zero level funnel for my group at one point. And, uh, I mean, I pretty much converted it on the fly. It wasn't too hard. The theme of the module fit in with something else they'd encountered earlier Mm -hmm. in the campaign. So 
I just sort of did it on the fly. The mechanics were close enough. And the biggest things with spellcasters is adjusting and using the spell tables and stuff. But I think it's relatively easy to do on the fly coming from the DCC RPG stuff. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks for writing DM Kojo. Let's go to the next email. And I think that's me reading that one. And this one comes from uh, William Jennings. He writes, Hi, guys. Thank you for producing the definitive podcast about a fabulous game. Recently, after a 26-year hiatus from RPGs, I decided to take a whirlwind tour of different role-playing games and systems to get a sense of what was available today. For me, the game I've enjoyed the most is DCC. As a result of this, I've been thinking a great deal about the expression old-school gaming and what it means. Gamers use the term fairly frequently, but what does it mean or imply? If possible, could you describe what features or qualities make an old-school gaming experience? The question is directed more towards playing the game itself rather than focus on the aesthetics of any particular product. I have my own thoughts on the subject, but would love to know what you think. Best, Bill. I should explain this email came because uh, Bill and I were playing Cosmic Encounters last Friday, and we stole a two-way win away from the leaders and turned it into a four-way win. And we were outside talking, having a smoke break later, and Bill asked me this question, and I encouraged him to write and ask you guys. Well, I, I, before I say anything, I'd like to hear what what Glenn has to say because you're alumni. It wasn't it wasn't the old school when you were playing. It was just school. Yeah, we had <laughs> rocks for dice, and we used character sheets made out of wood. Actually, we still do. It's called paper. But uh, we, we rolled our d twenties uphill in the snow, and we liked it. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I've been I've been sitting here remembering that. Hey, I need dice for this show, uh, but. <laughs> Um, old school, to me, I take a broader view of old school. I mean, yeah, it's focused on the fantasy D&D type game, which includes Dungeon Crawl Classics, because it's derivative. Um, but I was it's funny, I was just having this conversation with the guy who runs the Mischief, Mischief Incorporated board, because I said, I, it's not just TSR. There's a lot of old school. I play fourth edition champ, fourth edition champions with my grandsons. I'm learning them tunnels and trolls. You know, there's a lot, and there's a lot of like old uh, traveler fanatics out there. Um, so it's it's not just you know fantasy D and D dungeon crawl classics retro clones whatever. It's it's games from that period. That's what I think of when I think of OSR. So what do you guys think? You know, old school gaming, I guess, is is more you know revolves around exploration, I think, mm-hmm. and and um, I don't know, it just seems a little bit more free form. I I just enjoy it so much more. Um, than exactly the newer games that are out there. It's not exactly the game or when it was made. It's the feel of the game, it's, which is what I'm getting from you, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, completely agree yeah. with that statement. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's the feel of the game more so than just because it was written in, you know, 1974 or something. I mean, you could have two different versions of D&D, and one will feel different than the other. Yes. I've got a checklist. Let me run it by you guys and see what you think. Uh, My old school gaming checklist is, one, it's rules light, and it's about rulings, not rules. Yes. I agree with that, yes. Uh, There's no such thing as balanced encounters in old school gaming. Definitely agree. Uh, yeah, but I got a funny idea of balanced encounters, but so I'll, go, I'll go ahead and agree with that. Uh, there's a greater emphasis on the good of the campaign over the good of the individual character. Uh, yeah, I got to go with that, too. Um, you know, it's the, group, it's the group thing. No, I was going to say that's an interesting point. I didn't really think of that, but 
Yeah, that, I can definitely see that where it's like the group is the star, not each individual person. Well, that was kind of a fancy way too of saying the mortality rate is typically greater. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's going to happen. But the the character creation is typically easier. Yes. So, and the last thing I've got is there's a a, a lack of or the emphasis on a, on the high end game. Characters tend to retire at earlier levels. I gotta go with that. Um, I don't know of anybody in AD and D first edition who ever made twentieth. Um, I'm playing a tenth level elf in my basic game right now, and that's the highest I've ever got a character. After this campaign this Saturday, he's going to retire. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, so uh, I should say maybe you know maybe this comes like like a more of a modern conception of like how a role playing game should work is you know today everyone you know plays WoW or EverQuest or whatever the, the kids right. are playing these days and they play up to like level seventy with their one character they might have a few you know alternate characters or something whereas mm-hmm. like you know they think back to the eighties or I I don't know the seventies to remember them too well but um, you know you you would play um, net hack or a rogue or something like that where right. you're going to die 80 times in a single evening. <laughs> right. And you just go in back and start over again. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, there's a couple things that are going on there. Uh, if you play the game correctly by the rules, generally speaking, I mean, if your campaign was 10 years long in real time and you got a character that squeaked through up to 18th or 20th level, that's a different story from some of went back. I know Glenn will remember this back in the early 80s, late 70s. There were guys walking around saying, I've got a 30-second level elf fighter mate. Oh, yes. I mean, even back then there were twinks. But you couldn't do that if you played right. Munchkin is not a new thing. (laughs) You know, one thing, I I, I like to read a lot of the older source books and stuff. And I I always forget that, that, you know, you're a great uh, resource, Jim. And you too, Glenn, is... uh, why is there so much gender changing in, in a lot of those old modules? Beats the hell out of me. At I think they do that because they somebody's trying to peel the players who hate to play. Like I'm not playing a girl. Really? Uh, so back in the day that you guys didn't like, I don't know, put on dresses or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, it was the '70s, and there was a lot more smoke than just tobacco back then. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and hey, guys, guys weren't like I've never played a female character. Doesn't say I can't play one. I just, you know, I don't. And you know, if somebody gave me a gender changing, um, I don't know what I do. Actually, I probably just just keep playing the character with accoutrements or something. I think Greyhawk and Blackmore were just wacky, wacky campaigns. That's what I think. That's true. That's true. Well, I mean, even I don't know, Tomb of Horrors has got it, and I just—it seems like every book I read, there's some kind of gender-changing sphere or something. It definitely seems very popular. Yeah, yeah, I I think it's the like Gary and the rest of them going, okay, this is where the DM gets to play around with the characters, their heads, and it's like, let's see if he can pull this off. I mean, in my basic game, we had the we had the girdle of uh, gender-changing show up and be and used, but it was more like. Okay, fine. Now I'm a female halfling, and like what? Like a half hour later, the cleric turned him back into, you know, he uncursed the uncursed the girdle and turned it back into a male. You know, we, we I, I don't get it either. To completely get it, that's what I'm thinking. It's it's the it's the person's it's the person who wrote the game saying, okay, DM, here's where you get to play with your characters' heads. 
Yeah, I was in. I didn't start college till seventy nine, so I was younger than the guys that play tested D anD D in the mid seventies. So by mm-hmm. the time it got to us, that's one of the first rules we broke in the player's handbook is where Gygax had those how the stats are affected by what gender you are. You couldn't be as strong as if you were a woman. And oh, like that seventy nine eighty, we looked at that and said bullshit. And just play yeah. what we wanted. Yeah, I think that's one of the few. That's one of the first things that everybody ignored in the DMG. Okay, Bill. Well, there was a lengthy and intense answer to your thoughtful question. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Okay. That's right. So this one comes from – so this email comes from Bill Meyer. Hi, Spellburners. Just thought I'd say thanks for the great episode this week. I still can't believe you got Harley on the show. We're not worthy. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Wanted to get my two cents in on a title for Harley. I like the sound of Rastroli, the Dark Dwarf, Master of the Secret Realms of Chaos. Looking forward to the next episode. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, <laughs> thank Yel you, damn it. <laughs> Sincerely, Yell Rimber, the Mad High Wizard of Rarin, aka Stinky, the One-Eyed Ogre. Oh, you know, Stinky! That's who that yeah. is. <laughs> I was going to say, seen... does anybody in this game have short names? <laughs> right. Huge long titles. That's just how DCC is. We you, just you we want long the, titles. You haven't looked at the name generation tables in the back of the book yet, have you? I haven't really went through that yet. Then again, you know, if I can ignore the humor in Tunnels and Trolls, I can ignore that. So, okay. <laughs> so, Yell Rimber, uh, Stinky One-Eyed Ogre, thank you for your email. Um, that is a pretty awesome name, but um, it actually wasn't one of the top five. And do you guys want to go ahead and go go uh, uh, with the contest uh, announcements now, or should we save that for later? So do uh, you want to do that now? Yeah, why as well. I mean, this is a good segue at least. It's our yeah. first contest. It is our first contest. And sorry, Stinky, you didn't make the cut, but, <laughs> but maybe next time. Better luck next contest. We had a contest once on Thaco's Hammer. Never again. Oh, we got a massive response to this one. It was good. Oh, what was it? Uh, we had Harley Stroh on the show, and uh, Joe Goodman's nickname uh, in gaming circles is a dark master, and Harley doesn't have a nickname, so Harley generously threw it out to our listening audience to uh, submit names uh, as a contest, and whatever uh, the winner is, he's going to print on a T-shirt and win it, wear it at Gen Con. Cool. The Dark Hamster? See, you should have been listening. You, <laughs> you should have entered. You would have won. That's all right. <laughs> okay, so uh, should we read the finalists, or we're just going to roll the dice? Let's read the finalists. Uh, I might want to note who who the who submitted the finalists. Yeah, I got I got everyone's names. Yeah, okay, we, so we had a convocation of judges to decide who the top five were, and we had what thirty five, thirty six entries, thirty eight entries. Wow! More oh, than more that? than that. There was twenty nine comments on the blog, and some people had multiple. So I think it was fifty something. Okay. So, Tons. yeah, we had a lot of entries. It was a long list to choose from. Tons of good entries and uh, uh, an appropriate number of inappropriate suggestions. Oh, yeah. This is the most comments we've gotten on a post, so we definitely need to do another contest like this in the future. Okay, so number one was Minion Number One by Aaron Goobman, I hope. Uh, number two is Giggles Death Hammer by Purple Sorcerer. And that's uh, John Marr, right? Yes, it is. Number three comes to us from Michael Curtis. Strodor, Strodor, Strodor. I like that one. <laughs> and then we got a twofer from uh, Daniel J. Bishop. He got picked for The Bastard Who Killed My Gong Farmer and <laughs> Nyar Lastrotep, The Scrawling Chaos. Whoa, whoa say that again. Nyar, Nyar Lastrotep, The Scrawling Chaos. 
One more time. <laughs> and can you do it the same way twice? Not, I'm just being a bastard, sir. Sorry. <laughs> okay, the so bastard. Yeah. So does someone have a D5? I have one in my hand. Would you give it a roll okay. there, Mr. Wampler? Came up number three. And the winner right. is Michael Curtis. And Harley, your new name is Strodor, Strodor, Strodor. <laughs> Courtesy of Shimp. I'm sorry, uh, Michael Curtis. <laughs> he's gonna deck he's gonna deck me when he sees me next year in North Texas. <laughs> Oh, he'll he'll kill my character at or at uh, Gen Con just because I'm on the same podcast. <laughs> Here, pass this along to Glenn. Pow. <laughs> well, congratulations, Michael Curtis. Yes, and I think it's a, that's a that's a good result. That's a that's a funny one. Okay, back to this mighty pile of emails. Let's get the shovel out. This one comes from Stephen V. Turner. He says, "Hi there, Spellburn gang. Quick update for my last. Oh, this is the guy who's overseas." Uh, quick update for my last email. I got the DCC rulebook PDF from RPG Now, and I've also ordered the hardcover book and some funky dice. The book and dice will go to my U.S. mailing address, and my old housemates will send it here to me in uh, – I can't pronounce that word. Macau? Macau is how I would say it. Okay. Yeah, that's how you say it. Uh, public school system. I don't even know where that is. Uh, I've been reading the PDF and it's fantastic. So much crazy, cool, chaotic madness. I can't wait to play. I really wish I had this game way back in 1982. I was wondering if you guys know of any games that are currently being played by on Skype or some other online video chat system. Perhaps there is a website devoted to such things. I'd really like to get into a game and play for a while so I can get a feel for the system before I start judging my own game. Many thanks for your awesome show. Cheers, Steve. Oh, thanks, Steve. We're glad to be a service. Yeah, I I run my game over Roll20 and Google Plus Hangouts, and mine's pretty full at the moment. However, my recommendation, I, I guess, unless someone has a better one, would be to join up with Google Plus and get into the Dungeon Crawl Classic community group, uh, which is like a subset of Google Plus. And in there, there's uh, at least a lot of like-minded folks. Um, there's not always game postings or anything like that, but if enough people got together and started you know, planning, there could easily be another DCC game that started up. But I would probably start there. There's also a Roll20 community group that I believe has a looking for players and players looking for judges section in it that might be a good spot to check to. This question comes up sometimes on the Goodman Games forums too. It does. Both for in-person games and online games, so you could try there. Yeah, I would add too that um, there's uh, Play All Snail games that, that show up probably about once a week or maybe once every two weeks on the DCC community on Google Plus. So that's definitely a good spot. Yeah, that's true. Sean Sanford, I think, is the guy that runs a DCC game almost every Saturday or Sunday uh, that he posts. And he's it's almost an open table type game. So that's actually a good, good point. And you'll see yeah. those posted to the DCC group. So Yeah, he just posts those like a few hours before. And he's like, all right, Flail Snow Games at X hour. Yeah. Nice. Okay, let's do another email. Okay, I'll get this one, I guess. Uh, this one comes to us from uh, Dylan Ron. He writes, hey guys, uh, Dylan here, and I just wanted to say that the podcast and I really appreciate the tips for DMs you guys give. I'm both a relative new player and a new DM, but I'm looking for a few pointers on some topics. Maybe it's me not doing something right, or maybe it's my players' roles, but it seems sometimes when my players are playing what I think is a fun encounter, 
My players seem to take it so relaxed and don't really seem to fear death. They just want to beat stuff up. My question is, what things have you guys done or seen that can spice up a simple combat encounter? A falling floor, an extra monster, and how do they work? So that's first. There's a little bit more of the email, but we'll, we can start with those questions first. Uh, belly dancers. Always works for me. <laughs> that could be frightening. <laughs> well, you wanted to spice it up. You didn't say anything about frightening. <laughs> Belly dancers, some incense, uh, belly dancer you know. spicing it up. A belly dancing female dwarf with bells tied in her beard. That would be frightening. With yeah. four legs and earth corrupting magic. You would, you, you would win surprise, I'll tell you that. Oh, Job, you're my hero. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. No, sorry. <laughs> he tells it to everybody. There can be, I can have more than one hero, sir. No, no, no sorry. No, law forbids. Nah, that's all right. Go ahead. So, you well, you before, go ahead, Monk. Before I jump in there with my hard-ass stuff I get from Tim Cask, I mean, you guys actually uh, are running DCC games. So what do you think? Well, I was just going to throw out there uh, the Dungeon Alphabet. There, there's some great stuff in there um, to throw some curveballs in, into uh, Spice Up Your Encounters. Absolutely. And, and that's by Michael Curtis, by the way, the winner of our contest this week. <laughs> he wrote that son of a gun. I don't know if you guys got the uh, the DC uh, the Goodman Games um, like newsletter or uh, on DC on uh, Google Plus today they said that there's going to be a monster alphabet coming out next year or something. Oh, sweet! Yeah, that'll be nice. Well, that's one approach, though, is, as, as you correctly say, the the either the dungeon alphabet or in the monster section of the DCC RPG rulebook, there are lots of tables there for you to take what are common fantasy trope monsters and give them extra powers and abilities and, and different things so that when your players are come up on some undead, they have no idea what they're fighting and what it's going to do to them. And that, that's been what DM Marcos and our campaign has done to us over and over again, where we're fighting trolls, but we don't know they're trolls because we don't recognize them. So we just, you know, cut loose on the thing and it starts regenerating hit points. And it's like, it's 1979 again for me. I'm like, Holy crap, better burn it. I would recommend something from Goodman Games, uh, Jim Raggi's uh, Random Esoteric Creature Generator. Oh, yes. Yes, excellent. Yes. Yep. I just printed out a copy for myself, and it is glorious. Also, the book, um, the Frog God book, Tome of Adventure Design. Yes. I didn't use that much for adventures and stuff, but boy, does it make monsters good. I came yeah, up we, with like two or three of those. I'm we sorry, actually used it last week. Uh, to come up with a location for Harley to uh, help us flesh out an adventure idea. Oh, cool. That and and you know, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say that's a gem of a book. Yeah, it is a great book. It is a good one. And I, I think uh, following on the theme of a lot of people, to make the characters afraid, it's it's follow the theme of DCC and switch that normal monster up a bit. That troll actually mm-hmm. fire causes it to you know, gain <laughs> hit points. So you take a trope and you just twist it or you give it a special ability that twists it into something just a, a little different. So something they think is going to work suddenly doesn't work. Uh, and then suddenly that gets them thinking again. And that sort of knocks them out of the, oh, it's just another orc. I'm going to bash it down when suddenly that orc is taking half damage from normal weapons or, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, um, my players, uh, I stole something out of a dungeon adventure. Uh, my players are fighting a bull And then I said, and it breathes. What? It breathes fire. What? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's perfect. That's just something, you know, it's not that hard to throw onto it, and it just rattles their world, you know? Yeah. 
And my old school advice is put on your best Samuel Jackson face and three little letters, TPK. <laughs> and I mean, and then don't just come out of the blue with it and wipe them silly. Set a bait and a hook and let them do and, – and, and, you know, entrance them into doing something really stupid so they have only themselves to blame. And I guarantee you they'll step carefuler, more carefully after that. Their next characters will anyway. Yes. So uh, Dylan continues on with, uh, my last question is a pretty straightforward one. As a new DM, I sometimes will have the one player that will do something I didn't prepare for. For instance, the group was in a room with four pillars, all powered with some form of electricity, and they had to battle a group of evil necromancers. One of the players got a great idea. Player, I pick up the dead necromancer in the middle of combat and throw him against the pillar. And then he writes, me, just didn't quite know how to handle that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and so when a player goes completely uh, in a place you did not anticipate uh, and you say yes and, how do you handle keeping your mouth shut when the adventurers are about to screw themselves royally? You so, let them. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he knows what he means. Well, I, I mean, I think I know what he means is when they're really about to screw themselves and you start giggling, you don't want to tip them off. I, my technique is I, I take the module or whatever and just put it up over over my mouth. Yeah, I have a telltale cue. I mean, even my nine-year-old son has learned to read it, that when I start smiling, that means that's when he starts to get scared because he's like, that's when it's going to get bad. Uh, and even my online game, they watch the video and they're like, uh-oh, he's smiling. And See, you know, you, So I, I have a telltale cue. If you've got a poker tell like that, you can use it because after you've hurt him bad or wiped him out once, then you can start doing it on purpose, and that'll get their attention too. <laughs> yes, I, was bo- I was born with a great poker face. So if they see me, if they do something like, oh, I want to go like jump, uh, jump a squad of orcs over there, I'll just look, give them that deadpan look and say something like, really? Okay. And then I start rolling <laughs> dice. But the, the thing where. Then they what, go, then they go, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, may, wait a minute. Okay. That's what I thought. Anyway, you can always do the classic, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've used that before. <laughs> when you turn on the universal translator, that's DM talk for, please, God, don't do that. <laughs> are you sure you want to lick the purple energy coming off this column? <laughs> so what you're telling me is you want to walk up and lick the purple energy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, so uh, Dylan wraps up with thanks a bunch, guys, and I look forward to each podcast. Thank you, Dylan. I was just going to say, for, as for players who take sudden 45-degree turns into areas you hadn't planned for, welcome to judging games. <laughs> yeah, it's just inevitable. Yeah, I would just try try not to get too tied to the whatever script that you have in your head um, and oh, just reskin yeah. monsters and just whatever happens that comes falling out of your mouth, um, make sure that you stick to that next week, and that's part a of the story. Of people, a lot of people don't realize what a fine line a DM or GM walks when something like that. I mean, you make a story. It's a good story. It's a good plot for the, to hang their encounters on, but then you have the danger of getting too involved in it to have your heart set on something, which is something, which I think is an occupational hazard personally of, of judges. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, you're, you're a GM, you're a GM and, and the, the temptation is to turn into a novelist and I, right. you know, you really don't want to do that. But at the, oh, right. same time, you, at the same time, you can't be totally apathetic about it. You right. Know? Well, but, right. Ideally, it would be a collaborative storytelling from all parties. Right. Uh, and, you know, the whole thing is when is it railroading and when is it not railroading? You know, 
that's another fine line kind of walk thing. But that's a that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> that's yeah, that's fine. a whole show in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, talk about those, pretty much. Those <laughs> okay, we're almost done. One more email. Uh, John Hook writes, Hi, guys. I'm new to DCC, and I'm loving the show. Can you do an episode where you break down and describe how dragons are created and run in a DCC game? Thanks, John. Excellent idea for a show. I think it's a great idea. It's sort of cool. The dragons are sort of cool. Uh, so uh, what? This is, up, this, so. this is an our dragons are different thing? Yeah. Okay. My eye is starting to twitch already. <laughs> well, not – yeah, okay. different, but not too far from standard. Just each yeah. dragon you meet is going to be different, but – I have, a, I have a, I have a thing of people who who make standard tropes in a, in something like a game, and then do like make a big deal about oh well this is going like this 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 is like dude stop trying to go out of your way I mean you're you're taking like five steps when you only need to take one. Think highly customizable dragon more than anything else. Okay, I, I don't I don't think you'd be too disappointed with the dragon in the game because I don't think it it just. Each dragon's a little different, and they're highly customizable have and randomly seen, generated. If you want, <laughs> have you ever have you ever seen this is a, this is a cartoon series in France, but they made a movie out of it. Have you ever seen a movie called Dragon Hunters? I have not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's animated, right? Or yeah, it's like, computer it's computer animated. Yeah, the, yeah. the series in France is regular cell animated. But this is computer animated. There's two guys who go around hunting dragons into these weird worlds, and every dragon seems to be a different. And that's kind of what I think you're getting at. One's like a big slug. One's like a pig. One's like a regular dragon. One's like, you know, that kind of thing. Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah. It, it's well, not I'm, even so much appearance. Job, can you explain it? Better? Well, I mean, they, I mean, they do different things, too. There's different powers and stuff. Anyway, Job, no, go ahead. Well, basically, when you generate, it's like a three-page thing. I had to put together a dragon. But first thing it starts with is every dragon is unique. I'm 100%. They're all different. The first thing you do is you, uh, you create a name. So the dragon has got to have a name. That's the first step in the creation of making a unique dragon because that's the only one there is. Um, it goes on from there, but, you know, you roll different, you know, speeds and attacks and whether it has spells and, and how old it is and stuff like that. But um, I don't know if I name every dragon. I mean, you say like the type of dragon it is or do they have their own no. name? No, every dragon has their own name. Like, okay. like that, Glenn... That- dragon or something i don't know because yeah, okay. like this region has its own dragon and it's not just any old dragon it's it's Smoke, the dragon the dragon yeah which, right, is, which it, is kind of the point you never fight okay. or encounter a dragon it's always the dragon <laughs> exactly and there's there's no dragons don't you know cohabitate there's one dragon that you know ranges for 100 miles and there's not another dragon in that area i can understand there's animals like that so I understand that. Uh, it's, I'm flashing back to my, my basic game because we killed a green dragon, just a green dragon. And the next time we went up, we went up to this last little red dragon. When we found out his name was Scorch, we're all shaking in our boots going, oh, God, it's named. It's got to be the biggest, baddest <laughs> dragon we're ever going to go up. It's got a name. Well, so oh, see, no. you, you, you get it. You understand it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that wrapped it up for email. Let's go do some mighty deeds. Hey, Jim. Yeah. Do you have Do you have an email address? Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, just, I'm just going to give out Thaco's hammer. I just out. <laughs> I just got schooled. <laughs> if you'd like to contact us, please write us at theband at spellburn.com or on our forums at osrgaming.org. 
How is that? Oh, you don't do voicemails, do you? Okay. Not yet. Wait a second. I have an idea. That's plenty for the both of us. I move for no man. (laughs) Ow. And welcome to some Mighty Deeds. Uh, this is the part of the show where we normally look at things from the player side. And in this case, Glenn, you're sort of our uh, DCC guinea pig. guinea pig. Yes, that's right. So I'm the evil hamster. Okay. So uh, my understanding is you've just gotten your hands on the rule book fairly recently. and, and um, about, I've had it about a week. So you've thumbed through it, but you haven't gotten a chance to play yet. Well, I, yeah, thumbed through it, made some characters, um, you know, trying to digest what the whole thing is some of it seems familiar some of it i regret seems familiar but <laughs> anyway you well, what were saying? well let me ask you a question right at the start you know how we do the dragon rating on save or die on spellburn at okay. the end of the show we all rate things as a critical hit a hit a fumble or a miss so just first blush how would you rate the game um i'd rate it a hit okay um I think there's some good stuff in here. As, despite my protestations on some things, there are some good stuff in here. There is there's some good stuff. And I wouldn't mind – well, we'll get into that in a minute, but I'll give it a hit. So. Well, you're, you're on here to share your views, so go for it. I understand that. Okay, first of all, let's lay flat out. I'm not going to discuss Ascending Armor Class, okay? We've already made that clear. I don't I know. I thought that was going to be the first question that we asked you about was the ascending versus descending. I, when exactly. You, when, you, and, when you didn't rate it critical hit, I just assumed it was because of ascending armor class. <laughs> that's one of the reasons. Uh, I do not like ascending armor class. Um, and that's my personal preference. So, you know, other people, your mileage may vary. Um, I only do that because I've been playing this damn game since 81, or this a version of this, D&D. And it's a case of old dog, new tricks. There are just certain things that scream to me old school, and that's one of them. Well, I, I think I get it, because we're from the, basically the same generation of gamers, and when you've got, you know, Magic Missile automatically hits in what does 1d4 plus 1 hardwired into your head at this point, it's, hard to, it's harder to flip it over into something else. Well, it's also a laziness thing. I, by second edition, I got down Thaco, and then they changed it up on me. It's like, no, I, don't, I can do this in my head now. I'm not changing. Thank you. I don't need your stupid charts. You see me? Sh- you can't see me shaking, but I'm shaking as I'm saying this. Uh, but, <laughs> so that's that's a part of it, too. Well, how about in general? I mean, because you spent the 40 bucks to get the book. Now you've got it in front of you. Just in general, what do you think? I did. Oh, yeah, I did. Um, I kind of like it as a player. I can. This is going to be one of those games. I feel the same way about this as I feel about three five in Pathfinder. I'll play it. I ain't going to run it, but I'll play it. Ascending armor class. Let's go over some of the like the the, the negatives. Uh, ascending armor class for me. Um, there's some of the stuff they took straight out of three five that I really didn't care for, and for some reason they cannot. I cannot remember them right now. So we'll go on to something else. Um. Mr. Goodman is trying so hard to make this old school. You know, thou shalt roll 3d6 in order. And that kind of thing. It's like, okay, yeah, the old school got grognards get that. Is this for, for, now, is this for the benefit of the newer player that's coming into the OSR? 
I'm guessing it is. I think the funniest part in the rules is when uh, Joe says it's 3D6 in order, but we expect this to be the first rule you'll, your players will change or break. I understand that, but what I'm, what I'm, yeah, (laughs) you're right. But, but it it seems like that was geared towards the, the, like the 13 year old guy who's played WoW and fourth edition and God knows what else and is coming into this going, Oh, really? Is that the way we do it? Okay. That kind of thing. Because all us old grognards, we know you can do it like five different ways, but in the old days, they used to do 3D6 in order. That's it. Um, and I'm kind of okay with that, but I just thought it was a little heavy-handed. He is a little heavy-handed in certain parts. Um, the one that really set my teeth edge was, thou shalt make all rolls in front of everybody. No! Huh. I oh. am not giving up my DM screen. Thank you. For the judges, you mean? Yes. For, yes. I'm not giving up my screen. Some rolls need to be rolled in private, and if I want to fudge, that's my prerogative. Period. Like I said, old dog. Okay, any, any, uh, how about the character funnel and racist class, which is, okay, you can't okay. get more old, get, school, old school than racist okay, class. Okay, but, but, well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. Now let's get some of the good stuff. I'm glad they kept racist class. I was surprised. I really was. Because I reviewed Swords and Wizardry, and Wizardry is like, why are you splitting this up if you want it to be old school? But you got, they kept it now. Like and you know what? I kind of like the character funnel. I thought it was a brilliant idea. I mean, it was like taking the, I mean, at first blush, it looks like, oh, my God, character creation from Traveler. But then you look at it again and going, no, because Traveler, you go through it like one character at a time and it die. You go back and do another character and it die in the middle of creation. You go back and by your sixth character, you have a character. This way, you shove them all down the dungeon. Whoever comes out, it's your boy. I like yeah, that. I think that's what makes the funnel work. Because, like you said, if you're just trying to do one at a time, and it tastes, yeah, I think I that, that. I think that. that I think that's what was Traveler's problem. They should have made like six characters and run them all through boot camp. Well, okay, yeah. I'm alive. You know, there is that one little Traveler-esque thing in DCC where if you roll your stamina 3d6 in order low enough, a character can die during character creation. <laughs> I miss that part. Well, if your stamina were, say, an 8, so you're minus 2, and you only get 1d4 hit points, and you only roll one hit point, that character died. Oh, ouch. <laughs> he started, but, he was born with negative oh, 1 hit points. Okay, let me give let me give a caveat at that. I like the character funnel if you can do it in one session. I remember you coming on to save or die going, oh, yeah, this is our third session with the character funnel. I finally got a character. Well, that's too long. Well, you can't use our group as a judge because we had a lot of people who had never played the game before and were coming straight from Pathfinder. So they, uh, much like in the email that we read earlier, they they didn't take it entirely seriously at first until they had wiped us a couple of times. And one tricky thing about the character funnel is one player, I mean, every say you have eight players and they all have three or four characters. That's a lot of little peasants running around. And all it takes is one guy to screw the pooch and he can get the whole party wiped. Okay. I understand that. Yeah, like I said, one one session, I wouldn't carry it over more than one because you got, okay, we got our characters, let's go. You know, now yeah. you're first level. We also ran XP wrong in the beginning, too. You did? Yeah. Oh, okay. We, we should have been earning XP as we went along, and we and uh, we just, uh, our guy running the game, DM Marcos, was just new to the rules, although it was a group decision. We'd all misread the rule, and we weren't right. running it correctly. Oh, what another thing I like is the occupation table. I stole that for for tunnels and trolls. Nice. I I it's it's to me that's kind of a little Warhammer fantasy role play right there, where everything if you don't know the game it's your occupation you pick, 
and you get the pluses and the stuff, and you go up in that. This way, it's, okay, I've got a, a potato farmer. He's got a pitchfork, and let's go, you know? <laughs> That's cool. I, I really like that because I'm always worried about, you know, the whole debate about skills and professions and things like that. This solves it with one chart. I love it. Although there's a one problem I have with the chart. What if you have players who are dead set, I want to play a dwarf. I want to play an elf. Well, if it's your game, then you uh, let them. Well, I understand that. But, I mean, if you're rolling for occupation, no, you rolled a you rolled a ditch digger. But I want to play an elf. Well, you rolled a ditch digger. One of the third-party products called Alternate Occupations has charts where it's just the elves and just the dwarves. So if you had a player – and you could do it with the core rules too, but – uh, you know, so if you came in and want to run an all dwarf campaign, or you had that player that I've got to run a dwarf, I'm not playing. You could let him uh, roll on that smaller table with some dwarven uh, occupations and end up well, with it. But I also noticed that on the chart itself, dwarves, elves, and halflings pretty much are like it's a one to ten, and uh, a a variable one to ten. So you can take a ten side. Okay, you want to play an elf? You're going to roll on this section right here a ten to a ten sided die. What's weird about that is we generated uh, 47 different level zeros trying to get Strugglatron our way through the funnel is how it would come in waves. We had an all-human party at one point <laughs> with no lucky halfling, and then suddenly we got three halflings in the party at once. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. What else? That's about all I can think of right now. Any other questions? Well, art and layout, since you're an artist. Oh, it's gorgeous. You know, when, a, when I go through a book and I constantly ask myself, why wasn't I doing any of this? Oh, yeah, because it's really good. But it was – it's – Goodman – all right, let me come out and say this. Goodman Games must have some bucks because the this is almost – aside from 3.5, this is like this is like the high end of 2. And I say that as a compliment. High end of 2nd edition. As far as like layout and production, but like I said, I'm trying to say that as a compliment because once you get into three five, you get to the color and the funky layouts and stuff, and it's like, oh shoot, I don't want to have to wade through this. But this is like, it's got beautiful artwork. It's laid out real easy. I can find anything in here, well, mostly anything anyway. Um, and I'm sorry, go ahead, Glenn. Do you have a favorite art piece in there? Um, no. Um. But let me tell you, I'm. I think the. I think the. Uh, actually, I like the table of contents. <laughs> that was kind of cool, and the big DCC RPG at the front. I'm. A, I'm a black and white guy, so any kind of line work that knocks me out, I just love it. And this DCC RPG thing in here, um, it's just like every time I turn around, there's there's a different, you know, set piece. And we're not talking just like spot art. I mean, that comes later. But then you you're thinking like, wow, is this going to be a coffee table book through the whole thing? That'd be cool, but oh my god, I just I just can't say enough about the the production quality on here. I mean, Watch that's how that. I got that's how I got into the game was I kept hearing people say, "Hey, the artworks it's it's worth buying the book for the artwork alone." And I was like, it oh, is. I had the extra money, and I was like, you know, let me go ahead and pick it up." And I picked it up, and I'm like, "Yep, yeah, definitely super impressed by the artwork." And then I got sucked into the game. So that's what happens. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens, boy. Overall. I don't. I don't know if I want to talk about the the magic system. <laughs> well, I know. Well, I, I just I know from gaming you. with you, you tend to play fighters. 
Uh, it's it's a default. It's a laziness on my part. I've played mages before. I'm playing an elf in my basic game. He's a mage. I mean, they're fighter mages. But um, it's just, you know, if I'm going to... Okay, give me a fighter. Yeah, dwarf, elf, whatever. Give me a fighter. Or human, I don't care. Um, but the magic system in here, real Cthulian. It's not as bad as called Cthulhu, where like, oh, don't read that book, you'll go crazy. But... You know, the corruption thing, it's like, okay, I get your point. You know, this is kind of like, remember the D6 Star Wars game? Uh, West End Games? Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh-huh. seems like the mages have so many risks in earning dark side points <laughs> in this game. It's almost like, I don't want to throw a spe- You're a mage? Yeah, but I don't throw spells. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> we haven't gamed together an awful lot, but I I know that you do like to play fighters, so I thought that the uh, Mighty Deeds thing combined. I like that. I like that. You're right. Because you explained – first of all, you explained it to me on Save or Die. I thought it was great. And then I read it, and I'm going, okay. And this is like a little bit of Tunnels and Trolls in Dungeon Crawl Classics too because they have the saving role for practically everything. So it's the same thing. You want to do a fighter wants to do a mighty deed. He does this. He rolls his dice, and boom, either it happens or it doesn't. And you don't have to worry about a gazillion skills and weapon proficiencies and all that nonsense. It's all just one thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I like about it. You don't have to worry about big trees of feats or skills or proficiencies or anything like that. Yes. It's just you think it up, and the mechanic to figure I, out I, can I do it is a uh, is a die roll, and and you go from I there. I saw the I saw the skills section in the table of contents. I'm going, oh my god, here we go. And I turned to it. It's four pages. It, yep, teeny tiny. Thank you. <laughs> Easy peasy. Now, Glenn, did you notice the we- weapon specific mighty deeds as well? I, I I noticed them. I didn't really get a chance to look through them. They have uh, some really cool ones in there. Like if you if you could have specific deeds for say, like I think they had examples of battle axe, where instead of doing um, damage to hit points, you could choose to do damage to the armor class instead. If you oh, get high enough. Oh, re- oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And there's spell burn and all that. And I thought like every spell has le- at least one page. That's nice. That's nice. mainly for the charts, but you know, I get the, I get the point. Um, overall, I think it's a good game. A, a fun, I think it'd be a fun game to play. Um, the only other, the only one last thing I have really, other than the, like they got three, five stuff in there, but the only, the only thing that really kind of chafed me is, and I don't, I don't mean this just for Dungeon Crawl Classics either. I've had a problem ever since D&D began with this. Everybody seems to be too in love with Appendix N. Oh, well, I know, I, I know personally you're not a, a literature guy. You're more of a movie guy. Exactly, exactly. I, I looked at Appendix N, and yeah, I've read a few. I read some of the Lovecraft stuff because I was, you know, I was into College of the Lune, and I liked the stories. My ex-wife, one of my ex-wives got me into that. But, you know, I'm not – I. I'd rather watch a movie. I'm a film buff, okay, first and foremost. And I'm more cinematic in my head, but it's everybody's every, – I've always got this attitude from gamers who like fantasy games like this. The attitude like, oh, well, if you're not emulating fantasy literature, you're not really doing that right or you're not a real gamer or a fan or anything. So you're damn right I'm not a fan. I don't read that stuff. I watch the movies, Lord of the Rings, Dragon Slayer, things like that. I, you know, it's kind of like uh, saying, do you need a degree in art history to go to the museum and appreciate the Van Goghs? Mm-hmm. So, no, I mean, you don't have to read that stuff to play the game. It's just that's where this, a lot of the inspiration came from. Joe Goodman did all the work for you, sir. 
Exactly. Exactly. But people seem to be like, I think it was a, I think it's kind of a form of snobbery to tell you the truth. But I don't agree just because it's to me, it seems like most people haven't read that stuff. And, uh-huh. um, I've actually just started reading some of these things in the last mm-hmm. year. Um, you know, really discovered like, you know, Fritz Leiber and, and some other people like right. that, that I, that I really like. Um, but the thing I like about it is that, um, you know, especially since, you know, like three, five and on and the kind of, uh, you know, Pathfinder and 4E, like the, right. the fantasy tropes are like just so like set in stone. There's like this is, and, and, you know, MMOs as well. But, you know, it's there's true. this, this really stylized art and, you know, it's like everyone thinks of this firm, they're all, th- everyone is thinking of, a hobbit or, you know, or a dwarf, everyone knows what that looks like now. But if you read some of the old appendix N stuff, it's like you're, it's back to the basics and it's, it's not all set in stone already. Different things happen that you don't expect. Like, um, I don't know. Like I was just reading, uh, um, three hearts and three lions and the dwarf in there can, uh, like, uh, has a really good sense of smell. And he, and he, uh, can, he follows a werewolf back, to its layer so they can figure out which person's turning into a werewolf and stuff like that. Okay. That's cool. I like that. That's the kind of stuff that should be in my game. I, I, yeah, so I, I wouldn't say snobbery. Just if you read that stuff, it's, it's just kind of out there because there wasn't this whole body of, of, you know, 80 years or whatever of, of literature and movies and, and games and video games that people were drawing on. Right. Too. I mean, you get into like you know, look at movies like Sinbad, Jason the Argonauts, or uh-huh. even something like Big Trouble in Little China. So even if you're, because oh, yeah. I totally get some people would much rather have the movie, the visual. There's still a whole little niche of, of that when, as well. When, too, I, I envi- when I run my games and I envision my games, I I run them sort of like um, somewhere between Terry Gilliam and Jim Tim Burton, with maybe a little David Lynch thrown in. You know, that kind of like really fancy out there type fantasy not real out there but i mean you have the tropes but it's going to be like embellished that's like a film snob well i'm not i'm not well now you sound like my wife (laughs) glenn i wouldn't try to persuade you one way or the other i'm not really trying to persuade anybody but i will share this experience since harley felt comfortable outing joe goodman on the last podcast as never having read any of this stuff himself until he was challenged to a few years ago um i hadn't read jack vance Okay. Uh, until two years ago, until he died. Yes, uh, no, no, it was before he died. But I, but, but I picked it up for the first time, and as I'm reading through it, all of a sudden I have this discovery of, oh, wait a minute, this is where you know in, the imprisonment spell came from, and this is why that works that way. And that was besides being good literature, well, it not, was kind of cool for that part too. I'm not, I'm not, de- I'm not, you know, poo-pooing that because I can understand. Well, this stuff had to come from somewhere. Um, but it's just not. I mean, if I, I, I'm not, and also I'm not saying I'm not an illiterate guy either. I, I read a lot. I've read a lot of movie books and stuff in my time and nonfiction. But if I'm going to pick up literature or something, I'll pick up something like uh, Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes, or uh, Alice in Wonderland, or something like that. Uh, Dracula. You know, I'm more of the classics type thing. Um, as far as modern books, you know, Raymond Chandler. So, you know, it just. 
it's I'm literate, but I'm not literate the way game, most gamers are literate. I think everybody probably is some uh, alloy of those three things. I mean, I'm doing some research for something I'm writing right now, and I'm taking a sweep through post-apocalyptic uh, literature, movies, cartoons, Thundar the Barbarian, uh, comic books. So, uh, you know, I'm not being particular where it has to be some awesome uh, highfalutin literary work. Okay, well... Uh, I just saw, anyway. tw- speaking of Terry Gilliam, I just saw 12 Monkeys for the first time this past week. What a good movie. Really? Uh, I haven't seen it either, so... <laughs> anyway, um, that's my impression of the book That after reading it for about a week or so. Do you guys have any other questions for Glenn before we put him through the character funnel? Just one more real quick one on the spells. I know you didn't like the corruption or whatnot, but we mentioned earlier Magic Missile, you know, automatic hit, 1d4, right. uh, plus caster level. So... The magic. Obviously, we have lots of tables. What's I, marking corruption and stuff like that aside? What's your thoughts of just I cast magic missile and I'm rolling it randomly? How's that gel with you? Okay, is it, you're rolling it randomly for damage? So for magic missile, if you cast magic missile, you would make a spell check. You'd roll your d20, right. add your right. caster level, and then you see you know which effect. Do you get a magic missile that does one point of damage? Do you get one that's doing you know one d12 plus caster okay. level? So gotcha. just the randomness of the effect. I, I could do that. I can hang with that. That's cool. that's no problem. You know, random random damage. I think that's great. If it hits, if if it, I'm what I'm saying is, is it an auto hit? Oh no! Um, like in Magic Missile, in particular, if you roll a d, if your roll is a twelve or under, you 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 failed and forgot the spell. Okay, so it's it's a to hit too. Okay, sorry, Frank. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I can hang with that variable damage. I actually, I kind of like that. That's okay. kind of cool. Um, and you know, the corruption thing—it's not a big deal to me. Um, I know I—I I have played magic. I have played mages in my time, uh, but you know, I—I I didn't think of it as a really, you know, major hard ass. No, I'm never going to play this game. Type of type of deal breaker. Right. Right. Well, we had this argument before, Jim. Remember, remember a few shows ago on Save or Die when we were going through um, hitting a set, hitting over a set number versus putting pluses and minuses on the to hit. Uh, sure. Remember that? That's very three five, establishing a number to to roll over, and this game pro- it takes that up too. Well, it's an OGL game, so the it, the 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 core mechanic is a stripped down version of three five, which is what you're sensing. That's what I'm sensing because I was wondering because I was going through the game. And going, okay, what's the pedigree of this game? I mean, I see a lot of things from different places, but what's the what's the core? You know, is it BX? Is it second edition? Is it three five? What? Well, why and, do you single out three five though? Because I thought I kind of thought it was kind of closer to three zero. Okay, so, you're right. You're I usually right. I usually say three zero slash three five. I kind of lump them together because I never saw what the difference was really. Because I'm that kind of a stupid DM, uh, but uh, <clears throat> I've always said. I, but I'll say this about Pathfinder. I'll say this about three. I'll say this about this game. I would rather play than run it, uh, and I would have no problem playing, going through a funnel and playing a game. And on from- that, on that note, why don't you step into my funnel? <laughs> All right. Let's you know this. This is getting. This is sounding dirtier and dirtier as we talk about. <laughs> Finally, took long enough. <laughs> Okay, let's take it over to Mercurial Magic, then. Great all-seeing eye of Agamotto, you must come to my aid! Doesn't weird stuff happen when spells are messed up? I don't feel anything. So that could have gone better. 
Material Magic. All right. We've got a judge all lined up for you, sir. Who? Judge Job. Okay. Now, uh, you, how many characters did you want? Uh, you need 27 characters. Uh, well, well I'll, I'll see you next week on the show then. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be busy. <laughs> we all know this. Uh, Four is manageable, I think. For our listeners, Glenn has pre-rolled up uh, six total level zero characters. Job, can you handle six? Uh, I can, yeah, I, I guess can, so. I, could do, I can throw away a couple and do four. In fact, I think I will. Let's see. Uh, you're boring, so goodbye. Um, oh, that's... Yeah, okay, I got four characters. I have four characters in my hand. You sure you want to go with four? Because the idea is to end up with one alive. Well, okay. All right, we'll do six. Fine. I have six characters in my hand. What do I do? <laughs> and number seven, barking in the background. Yes, that's the kobold in the back. <laughs> Liz is taking care of him. Anyway, what do we do? <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're going to take you just to the first encounter in uh, Sailors on the Starless Sea. Our An old dirt road, now overrun with weeds and sickly vines, rises toward the ruined citadel. A grisly sight bars your way, a pair of bodies secured to poles by long, ropey vines. The wicked vines have wormed their way inside the body's eyes, ears, and mouths. To your horror, you realize the bodies are still moving. What do you do, Glenn? What do I do? My group convenes on this? Okay. Um... Let's see. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about what characters you have, real quick. I have a. Do you want the name and occupation or what? Sure. Okay. <clears throat> we have Voot Zumpus, a ditch digger. We have Dimples Maroney, an astrologer. We have Iron Mike Mule Stomp, a mercenary. We have Horace Forehead, an ostler. Barrett Stumpson, a potato farmer. And Dumpus Pumper, a Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done, sir. Thank you. And I got most of that off my 101 names uh, file I have. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what I got. So the ruined keep is on the uh, road uh, further up past these, these uh, bodies covered in vines. Okay. Uh, and they're still alive, huh? Uh, they're moving around a little okay. bit. Um, I will have my uh, ditch digger go over and uh, inspect a little further. He's expendable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and now okay, you're getting so the spirit of it. I'm, I, slapping, I'm slapping Star Trek red shirts on these guys. As you get closer, you notice that the vines are kind of moving inside the bodies. Uh-huh. <laughs> I back and, it. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, one of them lifts himself right off the pole and the vines are kind of walking along towards you and uh, reaching out with their vines. And I'm walking back real fast. The bodies just kind of are lolling, uh, being moved around by these walking vines. If you're blue and you don't know how to go to... Okay. Um, I, I run back to the group real fast. Okay. Uh, we're going to go up to... We're gonna... Roll initiative. They're coming right okay. at you. Okay. The other one good. lifts off the other pole and they come at you. Okay. Good. Good. Um... So uh, when you do a final, usually each player um, rolls initiative once. So okay. normally at a bigger table, you know, we'd have a, a table with multiple people. 
So you go ahead and just roll your initiative once and okay. add whatever your highest initiative is for one of your characters. Uh, highest initiative for my... Okay, got it. So that would be like the, the group initiative. Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, what do we roll? D10, D6? D20. D20, okay. I will roll a D20. And do I have to add anything to this? Uh, you got a guy with a plus one on his agility, so it'd be D20 plus one. D20 plus one? Okay. Twelve. Nice. I got a 19. Okay, cool. So... So we see how Job DMs. That was nice. So, <laughs> so what was that again? That was a, a plus one on my agility. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Dimples is pretty agile. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So who was the guy that was in the front? Um, that or would probe? be Voot. Voot the ditch digger. Okay. So one of the the viney creatures <clears throat> reaches out and uh, lashes out towards Voot. Okay. And uh, for nine versus AC. Nine versus AC? Okay, well, since he's a zero level, he would have an AC of 10, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, it should be right on your sheet there. Yeah, AC. All, all your guys are 10, except for the one guy oh. that got starting uh, agility. So yeah, he got, he's 13. He's 13, yeah. so everybody else is 10. Okay, okay. so we missed. <clears throat> That's okay, there's another one coming right at you from the other side. Double teaming me, okay. Yeah, and 18. It's going to hit. Sounds like a hit. And he hits for three damage. Okay, I take three damage. That leaves him with one hit point. Uh, is it now my turn? No. Okay, more, more. Because there's more vines bursting out of their chest and they uh, keep attacking you. More, more, I love it. Okay. Ah, that was a four. And one more at boot. That's a 17. So yes. it's going to actually connect. And boot gets hit for another, or for two hit points. Dead, dead, dead. First one down. Okay, so <clears throat> the vine just wraps around him and just rips half of the flesh off of his body. Other vine comes and just pulls his head off and, lo- and throws it at um, the mercenary. Oh, well, he pitches it back to him. Is that what you want to do for your action? Hell no. Um, <laughs> it's your turn. Okay. I'm going to have... No, you don't go up there, you idiot. Okay. I'm going to have uh, Barrett Stumpson, the potato farmer, step forward and uh, hit him with his hit him with his pitchfork, which does damage like a spear. Nice. And he will roll to hit... He rolls a 15. Now, do I add anything? I don't think I, I... I don't have any strength bonus or anything. I don't add any of that. So it's a straight That's good 15. enough. Did I hit That's him? You hit. Oh, my goodness. So I do a D8. Grab me a D8 there. And eight! Nice. <clears throat> okay, so uh, you connect with your pitchfork. You rip off a big piece of his guts, and all these black seeds spill out of his uh, stomach and pull around on the ground. Okay, I jump back, kiss myself. I mean, uh, jump back. <laughs> Ow! Kiss myself. Yes. And uh, my chicken jumps back, too. <laughs> I have a chicken. <laughs> so your other remaining guys can go now. Okay, fine. Uh, okay, he takes he takes a whack and he does something. And uh, let's get Dimples up there. And uh, Dimples is just going to, like, sit this one out. He's, he's going to fall back because he's, he's more of an astrologer type. 
Um, oh, let's get the mercenary up there. Yeah, let's get him up there. Um, as soon as I can find a sheet here. Here we go. Iron Mike. Come on, Mike. Do some damage here. He's got uh, AC of 13. And we do a 16. That's good. Okay. You connect. I connect. Hey, which one is this? The, the one that with the black seeds around it or the other one? The other one came forward. If the other one came forward, I'm going to hit him. He okay. does a D8 also. Okay. Six. So same thing. You uh, what, what kind of a weapon is he attacking with? He is attacking with a longsword. Okay, so what are you going to hit with the longsword? What am I going to hit? What do you, you mean? Gonna target anywhere in particular? Or? No, I'm just going to hit. Okay, so you bring your longsword down and just cut like five vines off and they fall to the ground. Okay, now keep going, big guy. It's the Cooper's turn now. All right. All right, he's going to hit as a club with his crowbar, and he does a 10. Ooh, he might have switched. That's a miss. Okay, one miss, and we got oh, horse. Oh, hold, well, hold on before we go go on here. Oh, um, more, more stuff, okay. So you missed, but you didn't miss by that much. One of the things that you can do here would be to burn luck, and what, what, what that entails is you mark off three points of the character's luck okay. permanently basically and you could um, increase that the roll that you just missed and I'll, I'll let you know that if you if you burn three points of luck you could actually connect with that hit with that attack I'm gonna miss okay I know I, that's what that's one thing I, I noticed in this book luck is very valuable yes um, it is Yes, definitely. Very much so. Oh, and the Cooper, Cooper's only got 10 to begin with in luck. That's, that's right. So the Ostler's up next. He hits with his staff, D4, and he hits 16 again. Nice. It's a solid blow. Yeah, for a D4. Let's see. Ah, D4. Here we go. Okay. Ugh. Three points. Okay. That's enough to take out one of them. So you bring your staff down, and the body just, flesh of it just slides right off the vines, and the vines kind of try to get away a little bit and uh, fall over and just start to wilt. Okay. There's still one left. Okay. Uh, Do we have to roll initiative again? No. No, you just do it once. And, uh, yeah, so the remaining vine is pretty pissed. He goes right for the ostler. Okay, fine. And uh, he, he... Two vines rear up that come like right out of the the corpse's <laughs> mouth, and they come flying down on you at the same time. So two okay. attacks. For our so, viewers at home, an ostler is a stableman, especially one at an inn. So one comes down, completely misses, and the second second one solidly connects with a nineteen. Okay. And that's four points of damage. And that's two down. Okay. <laughs> For our hit. listeners at home, that's an ex-stableman, or especially one in an inn. Okay, so you can you My get turn. to go now. My turn. Um, mercenary had a good luck. Let's let's do something here. Okay, 14. That's good enough. Okay, good enough. Let's see what we got here. Seven points of damage. Kawak. And, and that's, good, that's enough to take him out completely. Right on. So you smash it down the, <clears throat> the uh, there's like a, a big bulb that comes out of out of a, a hole in the side of this thing's neck. 
And uh, you just bash it, it expl- explodes, and black seeds go over, splatter in your face, all over your weapon. All right. Um, the, the vines are twitching um, near the corpses. Mm-hmm. Now I got to clean this thing. Great. <laughs> Can we head up to the castle? Uh, sure. Okay. So, so I'll just read the description here. Like, Go ahead. End it. Right. So basically, if you walk up the, the, the road and the dark moss eating. The dark, moss-eaten gatehouse towers above you, grim and forbidding. Murder holes fashioned in the likeness of looming toads threaten to gout forth flaming oil and tar. Black arrow slits pierce the high stone walls. You can hear the flap of the heretical banner above, hiding from sight, hidden from sight by the vine-draped battlements. Okay, and wow. That is that's, that's beginning impressive. the first encounter from sailors of the Starless Sea. Okay. So, so if for some reason your crew now just picked up and went home, they survived one encounter. Mm-hmm. So, Job, how much XP would that be? Uh, so XP is um, awarded on a sliding scale of, of one to four. Okay. Um, since you were alone, uh, not fighting with anybody, I'd probably give you uh, three points for that. Okay. Um, it's a pretty pretty easy encounter. Um, you know, two to three, I don't know. Um you know, if you had a full group of people, probably just everyone would get one experience for that. Because right. you would have, you know, 20-something guys there. Right. So first level is only 10 experience points, Glenn. So that's... That's that's right. That's another thing I noticed about this game. You're not dealing with hundreds of thousands of experience points, which, or, is, not, which right. is nice. Like Job just said, uh, uh, surviving an encounter, not just defeating the monster, but surviving, because sometimes you've got to run, is a sliding scale of 1 to 4 XPs. Right. And what I thought was weird is you guys only it, the game caps at tenth level. It does. Yeah, it takes quite a while to get there, though. Okay, okay. I, I mean, just wonder, like you know, a thousand whatever. I mean, I know you only give out one to four per encounter or session or something, but I mean, still, that's tenth level. Well, I mean, uh, to equate it to uh, traditional D and D, you would just about double that number. So the game. Power level wise, for the player characters, tops out at a D and D equivalent of around twentieth level. Okay, okay, I got that. And pacing okay. wise, my online group we hit our one year anniversary yesterday, and we have a mix of about uh, third and fourth level characters right now. Nice, nice. So. Okay, okay. I've I've just got to get into a champion's frame of mind. Then two points. Ooh, wow. <laughs> 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 well, a, a first level uh, DCC character is nothing to sneeze at. I that's what I hear. At least that's what you tell me with your spell slinging, um, or at least that's what Tim tells us anyway. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that sounds like a that's that I could I could handle that slower progression. I mean, right now in my basic game, I'm retired. I want to know why my elf is retiring. Um, for one, I want to play a gnome, but also uh, in basic, elves tap out at 10th. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you play it hardcore by the rules, you're right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I can get more, a few, a couple more hit points or something like that, but, you know, my to hit isn't going to improve or anything like that. So, okay, retire. Um, but, yeah, I like, the sl- I like the slower crawl in this. I do. The only disappointment in that battle was I wanted the monster or you to roll a crit bad. Oh, I, I could roll a crit bad. I could roll a crit good. <laughs> yeah, I already decided that before the show if you fumbled that uh, you were gonna your character was gonna break its arm. Oh man, you mean, you mean shoulder? Yeah. <laughs> well, Harley bust, 
Harley gimped up one of his arms, and we asked him if he caught caught the disease from you. But apparently, <laughs> apparently, it was a skateboarding accident. Yeah, well, it's now now I'm famous for the wrong thing. Uh, but okay, <laughs> but anyway, um, that was that was pretty neat, and that's pretty much how the funnel goes. You just run them through whatever you got. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Just a bigger scale. Like that first encounter would have been a lot different because you would have had like, you know, 18 to 20 people, zero levels there. But, you know, you probably still would have lost one or two even with that said. So, yeah, it's just pretty much a series of that. Okay. Okay. The Um, the reason I was waiting, I thought you were going to try to loot the bodies. They had stuff on them. Oh, man, I didn't. I was more thinking about, (laughs) okay, how do I survive? How do I keep these guys alive? Um, But, you know, if it was a regular game, I probably would have done that. Well, somebody at the table was like, "Let the bodies," um, but that was that was that was something resembling fun. Wow, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> well, there you go. Now we just now we just got to get you in the game at a con see, or something. See, I thought the character funnel consisted of a specially made dungeon for low level people that you make up just to get them down to that one character. Well, there's one in the book. There's one in the back of the rule I book. I saw that's, that. That's actually a really nice little character funnel. And uh, you just went through the first encounter of Sailor of the Star of the Seas, which is like the gold standard. Oh, is that the the module? I, I I would tell you all about it, but I don't want to spoil it for you. If you, you if you get it, and yeah, read I know it, you'd have. Know. I know you'd have to kill me, right? It's the level zero. By the time you get to the end of that thing, you're like, oh, and we were worried about those vine guys up on the surface. <laughs> <laughs> fun sounds like fun i was, I was just gonna say it definitely when you're playing on a table and and you you know there's eight beast men and and you know 30 people 30 adventurers you know and heads are flying and everything else it gets pretty hectic it's cool yeah I, I mean i like the character funnel in con- this is why i'd never run it because you know i like the character funnel and concept as long as i'm a player but running that herd of characters through a funnel <laughs> sounds exhausting, really, as a as a judge. <laughs> well, it's 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 not usually a herd for long. Oh no, 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 no! And also, one of the main reason I say I wouldn't run it, which is the same way I feel about three five and Pathfinder, is the fact that too much paperwork, too much. I can't fly by the seat of my pants as easy as I can with the earlier D and D games. It's gotten so bad, I can't hear anybody discuss second edition without hearing Mike go, but that's a completely different game. Different game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like to. I think, too, my opinion is 2E was the pinnacle of AD&D right there. Everything else, you're just complicating the whole thing. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So, Okay. Uh, well, guys, how about we just roll straight to patron bond since we're looking at a two-hour episode already? Yeah, almost. yeah, I think it's a good idea. Yep, I agree. Who are you? Your new lord and master. What orders from mortal, my lord? Oh, don't trouble. One thing I can't stand, it's people groveling. Patron Bond. Uh, Glenn, this is the part of the show where typically if we've reviewed a product or a module or or had a guest on, we uh, all uh, share... Mm -hmm. The same rating I asked you at the beginning of the game, so uh, uh, we everybody knows we love this game. Uh, how would you rate it after a brief sojourn through the character funnel? Is the same, it still a hit. Yeah, still a hit. I I I can't really go up to critical hit for the reasons I told you, but at the same time, 
I don't think any less of it. I mean, it's still a fun game to play. I, I had fun, you know, but I could, I could see, you know, traipsing down in a dungeon and find whatever the hell's down there with the, with the dungeon crawl classics. Well, next con we're all at, we'll have to have a save or die crew because we almost had it this past North Texas con. That's true. But I was too busy breaking my shoulder. That's, well, <laughs> only missed, only missed one game while you're in the ER, but yeah. Um, actually, technically two. But, uh, yeah, you're right. So I got half the games in I wanted. So. I was happy. And I got an extra one, too. So, anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't have to break your shoulder to play your next uh, game on drugs like you were at the con. I just need the drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, anybody, how- anybody who's going to be in North Texas next year, if you happen to have some spare lore tab, okay, remember me? Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. The Spellburn podcast does not endorse the abuse of prescription drugs. No, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, how about this, Glenn? I mean, if uh, would you recommend um, people who like older editions of D&D to pick up this book? I would recommend this to people who like – I would recommend it to people who like older editions with the caveat of you're going to find some stuff in there from like the later editions, you know. But there's enough good stuff that if you – if you really are dead seeing and playing it, there's a lot of stuff to steal in there. That's another thing. You guys got a lot of stuff I can steal. I like that. It's crunchy. There's there's part of the old school gaming spirit, like our email guy wanted to know. You just take and borrow from whatever system you like. Exactly. I mean, you're, I'm, take, I'm taking your occupation table. I'm using it in TNT. I'm going to use it in basic D&D. It's going to be fun. I think that solves my skill problem. You know, here's a farmer. Here's a pitchfork. Go for it. Well, sir, I really appreciate you bringing your grumpy grognard self over to our podcast and being a guest. I'm the, ha- I'm the happy grumpy grognard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely appreciate your time, Glenn, coming yeah, over I, and hanging out yeah, with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I was, I was really surprised. It's like, you know, dumpy old me. Okay, sure. I'll, but, but hey, it's been, it's been fun. It really has. You, yeah, guys been on, you, guys, you, you guys put on a good show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thanks, well, thanks. Guys. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up for this episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, uh, never split the party unless the party's already split. Good night, everybody. Later. See you, people. Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. The Spellburn theme music is provided by the band Glitter Wizard. You can find them at glitterwizard.bandcamp.com. Glenn Halstrom's wardrobe was supplied by Botany 500. The Happy Grumpy Grognard is copyright 2013 Halstrom Productions, Inc. No actual level zero characters were harmed in the production of this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Spellburn. <laughs>